Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As far as the amount of sexual attention that each of my wives receive, and you might not be close enough, it's kind of like in the solar system. Each of the planets revolves around the sun in its own orbit at its own distance. And we have a different bed in the house for that reason. We call this the boom boom room. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine. With me, Kara Berry, our pop culture, roundup, traders, and Southern Hospitality finale recap for the week. Oh man, I'm like bummed that the Southern Hospitality is over, but we got a really great season. I feel like with Summer House, I'm excited for you guys to watch the premiere. Um, I think we got a good season. I, I really, really do. So I'm excited about it. So if should I say this? If, maybe if you guys are like not finding yourself being fully fed by Vanderpump, then I think you're going to have a nice little snack with Summer House. That's, that's all I'm going to say until Friday's episode. All right. All right. With that, let's get into the pop culture roundup. I have um, crowned a new king and queen of mess. 2023, as you know, went to Kim and Croy. Things got, you know pretty dark with them and they started to get not fun anymore so 2024 you know two people decided to bring the mess that I had been missing from Kim and Croy so congratulations to Larsa and Marcus you made it guys you're our (laughs) our clown couple of 2024 and I say that lovingly because I will be you know, like recapping you guys on whatever shenanigans these two were up to um, from now on until this plane crashes, you know, because it's going to. It's going to. But anyway, if y'all didn't listen to my Miami uh, recap, I was talking about what's been going on since the breakup heard around the world that lasted about maybe 14 hours or so, uh, between Larsa and Marcus that ended very quickly with them being spotted at a florist on Valentine's Day. And then the next day, people came out with their people-exclusive photo set of Larsa in a white dress with a ring on her engagement finger, big diamond ring, and Marcus looking like he didn't want to be there. Okay, so love has won. 
love has won and uh they're back baby they're back now what has come out since then is that allegedly the reunion of the real housewives in miami was filmed not that long ago one of the best looks consistent looks that i've seen from a reunion so congratulations girls on that but according to page six marcus was backstage and he said something we don't know what that thing was but this thing that he said was so horrible it was about you know the process of the housewives in general and maybe like some specific ladies i don't know um but it was so awful that some of the women might change their opinion on marcus now my immediate question that came in my mind was what are the women's opinion of marcus in the first place i couldn't tell you like i don't know and i'm not sure that they do either so what did he say what do you say? I can't really get a handle on Marcus's personality. He seems somebody who's like down to clown. And by that, I mean like down to put a mic pack on and like do whatever he's got to do. He, so if this is like him shading the housewives or whatever, I find that very curious because like I said, he's happy to be part of the process. It would be like if Joe Gorga was like, fuck the housewives you guys are silly you'd be like what sir you'd get a a tomato so you'd be center tomato if you could center meatball if you could you know what i mean like it just wouldn't make sense all right y'all let's move on to our girl of the week i talked about a cut article an article from the cut last week and this week they came out with another banger because i'm like girl what the hell i was first introduced to this story um via a woman on twitter fighting for her life and her mention about how it's entirely possible to get scammed even though you are a perfectly computer literate financial advisor uh, in your own right, and this is how you make your money, okay? So I was like, what the hell went on? So I'm kicking it down over to the cut, you know, doing my, you know, you know the thing where maybe you take your phone off of mobile data, and then you click on an article, and then and then you take off the Wi-Fi real quick. Never, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But one could, if you wanted to view some articles and you had gone past your paywall limit. Anyway, um, so I read this article, free and clear, um, from the cut, that said it was all about this woman. She used to write for the New York Times financial whatever the fuck like she wrote a financial column for the new york times and this is her story of how she got scammed out of fifty thousand dollars it starts with her you know like in our typical thriller it starts with like the most thrilling thing happening and then we have to go back to like how did we get here right so starts off with her putting money into you know the back of somebody's car 50 grand 50 large in the back of somebody's car right and we're like girl what the hell happened okay so this woman you know she was a freelance writer so she had a pretty good chunk of money set aside for taxes rainy day in case you know the well runs dry with the freelance work and uh an inheritance from her grandfather she had a, a decent little nest egg you know in, in case of a rainy day emergencies taxes what have you right so normal day in new york i believe she's it's halloween or you know whatever the closest school day to it was kids going off in his uniform or his costume she's click clacking doing you know girl boss stuff 
she gets calling her phones around. It's like afternoon, two o'clock, right? Um, ma'am, we just want to let you know we're from Amazon. We have noticed some fraud on your account. We just want to confirm whether or not you've purchased all these Apple products, MacBooks, iPads, whatever. No, I didn't. Okay, well, we're seeing that you have this fraudulent activity on your account, on your business account. So the woman says, I don't have a business account through Amazon. And she says, well, apparently you do. You've got two linked accounts, and um, that was where the fraud was taking place. She's doing her due diligence, checking the account as she's on this phone call with her, not finding anything. But the lady says, this definitely happened. By the way, we've been having some fraudulent activities, so uh, they've got a team. There's a special agency that wants to talk to people um, who have been victims of these sorts of fraudulent activities. Can we patch you over to that person? Sure. So she's on the line with this man from the FTC, this FTC agent, who is like, well, I've is this your social security number? Give me your address your name blah 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 your mother's maiden name your name of your first pet whatever um i've got he had her social security number so she's thinking like okay this is too legit to quit right he tells her okay we've got your information thank god you just happened to call because there are 22 accounts around the world linked to your name nine different vehicles most of this money, there's like $3 million of wire fraud being moved mostly in Iraq and um, Jamaica. Do you know anybody from there? Do you know such and such? Uh, because this chick had a car registered to your name and it was found on the Texas border with drugs and blood in it. Do you know this person? No, no, no. Okay, girl. Well, it's it's just real serious. You can't tell anybody. Everybody in your life is a suspect, even your husband. So don't tell him shit. She had already been texting him. But he, when he's like, girl, what the hell are you talking about? She's like, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Like, I just got a scam call, you know, like a fraud call about a scam happening to me. Um, but like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Because now this, she's being patched over to a CIA agent who's giving her all the sorts of like paranoid bullshit. You could be, they could be tapping your phone. They could have access to your uh, personal information, your computers, this, that, and the third. And we're really going to have to hunker down, lock down, and get you in a place where you're going to have to get a new social security number. And you're going to have to take all this money out of the bank account um, and just keep it to cash for a while until everything gets settled. You're being followed potentially. And you're in a whole lot of danger. Even your sweet husband could be trying to get you with the getcha gotcha, right? So at this point, she's like, this really doesn't sound like viable. I can't even speak to a lawyer about this. And he's like, no, you can't. As soon as you speak to an attorney, you're going to be considered non-cooperative. Your home's going to be raided. Your assets will be seized. All of this stuff. I was like, but why? If you're telling me that you know this is not me, then why would they be pulling up to my house like they did to the beauty lab and laser parking lot? It that doesn't make sense. You're telling me you know I'm innocent. So why would the when all any of these things happen, right? So he tells her in in order to things to get things settled, like I said, the CIA is going to freeze your bank account. How much money do you think you're going to need out of this? Because he asked her, how much money do you have? Do you think you have? total through all your bank accounts she tells him probably about 80k 
So he asked her, how much do you think that you would need, you know, if it took like two years to get everything settled and you're just using cash transactions? How much do you think that you would need to float yourself? She's doing little calculations in her mind. She's like, I don't know, like maybe 50K, right? So they're like, okay, you're going to have to go to the bank, take this out. Now, she's been on the phone this whole time. This is like, you know, she's being transferred to other people, but this is like an hours-long phone call, right? Her kids come in back from school. The kids in the neighborhood are trick-or-treating and, you know, going on with her lives. And here she is tethered to her phone with somebody who's telling her, you can't even tell your husband what's going on. He could be an app, okay? Take out 50 large out of the bank right now, ma'am, okay? Don't tell them why you're taking this money out once you get to the bank. And also, I'm going to need you to go ahead and keep me on speakerphone while you're at the bank so, um, you know, you don't get pop-popped or whatever the hell is going to happen. You don't get a laser to the forehead or something. Like, what what the hell are you going to do on speakerphone, okay? So, she's, like, running out the door, putting her hokas on, going to the bank before her son gets home from school, Right? She goes to the teller and says, I need to take out a large sum of money. So they take her to the back. I need 50K. And the girl's like, okay. Gives her a stack of hundreds and a little note (laughs) warning you against scams. Okay. So like I said, hours have gone by. She's not able to take her son trick-or-treating. Her husband's coming home. The people on the line are telling you somebody's going to come and pick up this money we're going to, because um, you can't, she's asking, if I just took all this money out of the bank for me, why can't I use my money for me? And they're like, no, that would be considered money laundering. So what we're going to have to do is uh, take the money and we're going to then give you a tra- check from the U.S. Treasury. And that will be like with your new Social Security money. A new social security number and that'll be like clean money or whatever the hell is the headache forming in your head like it is mine yeah so i'm just like trying to picture this they're clearly like in brooklyn or something and her husband comes home he's reading the kid a little book before bed she's running out the door being like hey it's about the scam I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna see a man about my scam that I told you about earlier. I'll, I'll just be right back. Right. So she's putting fifty large in the back of the car. Son and the husband are watching from their apartment above. Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> so she's like, oh great. She gives some money. She gets a text message, a picture with this U.S. Treasury check with her name on it, I guess. And she's like, great. Now things are legit. <laughs> So she gets back into her house and she's like talking to the lady, the original lady, I believe. Um, when is everything going to go down? What time is my social security number appointment tomorrow? When am I going to get this check? Oh, well, Michael couldn't get on the line with the social security people. Um, he's going to call you tomorrow. We're going to figure this out tomorrow. And at this point, the woman was like, oh, fuck, I got scammed. <laughs> She's screaming on the phone. I'm never going to get my money back. Fuck you guys. (laughs) Oh my God. So she's like shaking and crying. 
in her closet or whatever and finally tells her husband everything that went down and he was like whoa what the fuck um so he tells her we ought to call the cops the cops come over to the house and they tell her um ma'am no government agency is going to ask you for money over the phone and at this point she's getting an attitude with the cops like yeah well i know that (laughs) don't make me be on the cop side okay it's too late for the attitude now ma'am okay so then they're like well we'll check the cameras i guess for like the car that came to pick it up we'll see if we find anything but like don't worry about it girl you don't need to be scared or paranoid about anything happening into to you in the future uh they already got what you what they wanted from you they're not coming back okay so don't worry about that so now at this point in the article she starts getting all poetic right I woke up the next morning to the milky white dawn on my walls and I was just thinking about what a different life I had yesterday and how I didn't know that things would change and how I was my old self yesterday but now things are different. Girl, no. (laughs) I'm not doing this with you. I'm not doing this to you. Y'all know every time I get on here and blather on about another documentary, some true crime, some cult situation, every time I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand how people get wrapped up into this shit other than like extreme insecurity, family issues, a need to belong situation like that. I only have a couple of those, okay? So I don't, I, I just like... It doesn't really click with me how this would work for me. I don't see how I personally would get caught up in a cult. It's no shade to anybody who does. No judgment. Except for this is like a little bit of dumb bitch behavior, ma'am. I, I have to admit. Like, and I, like you, this was your craft. You writing about finances and being so financially savvy. I just want to, I just, it's the eliciting of sympathy for me after you engaged in like hours of I could almost see if this was like you met a guy like a dirty John situation and he gets you wrapped up in like some sort of love bombing and he's you're wrapped up in his spell and next thing you know you're you know 401k money from you working at Lane Bryant is all gone you know that I'm like okay I get it but this only happened in the matter of like an hour like a couple hours <laughs> like I'm just gonna need a little bit more of a of a hook of a hook here and there wasn't even like there was no threat because I've heard of these things happen where people feel like where where their family members get threatened like a name comes up and they're like if you don't do this and like somebody is gonna get it and then they're like you know there's like a threat here but there really was no threat they were just like be scared ma'am you should be scared you should be terrified and even though throughout the whole thing she's casting doubt and asking necessary questions they're like no 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 let that go let it go girl and so this is why i have a very little empathy for this particular woman now i would say i mean i was not nice to you but if you are listening could you just tell me if your lawyer brother is single and lives in the city because he said something that really cracked me up when he told you that um i've done enough law school and lawyering to know that what happened to you 
is that, like, you basically got put in a situation where, like, they didn't give you options, and so you just ran with it. Like, I mean, he was being very nice about it, but my interpretation was that, like, oh, you sound really stupid, and they took advantage of that. So, anyway, let's move on. Okay, so our headline of the week is going to... um, it's gonna go to us weekly slash heather ray el musa from selling sunset as you know um and it as follows heather ray el musa hits back at haters by posing with stepdaughter (laughs) and i thought well what the hell's going on here so apparently heather is married to that man with the nostrils from hgtv Tarek. I only experience him through Selling Sunset, and I feel like that might be enough for me. Him, for me, maybe he's nice. I don't know. I, something tells me to not, so I don't. So anyway, Tarek's got two kids with, from his previous marriage, right? So on Valentine's Day, Heather posts on Instagram, "Happy Valentine's Day to my boys." So she has one son with Tarek. He's got a son and a daughter from a previous marriage. So. She does his Valentine's post to Tarek, um, their son that they have together, and his son. Okay? Happy Valentine's Day to my boys, T, T, and B. I have never felt so much love in my life. All three have kept me on my toes, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm so thankful to have you as my husband, my best friend, and my partner. So, people went into her comment section like, Hey, babe, do you remember that you have a stepdaughter, too? Um, Does she not get a... Valentine's Day post, why is this all about your boys? And no mention of her, not a pic she's not in the picture. Um, nothing. Why why is that? So the next day, she posts a picture on her IG stories. Didn't even make it to the grid. Sad. And it's her and her stepdaughter Taylor embracing in the back of a van, and the caption says over the picture, We close our ears to the pettiness. Okay? We strive for positivity only. My girl knows she's my number one gal. <laughs> and yeah, I am doing the Whitney voice for it. Because it, it's giving, right? <laughs> she couldn't even get a grid post? Damn. Could you not give me a better picture than us at the back of a sprinter? Could I be at an event where, like, maybe I got to wear some lip gloss or something? You know, just like, I'm not saying that she didn't look cute. I'm just saying it looked very haphazard at the last minute. And again, she didn't even make it to the grid. And you did that whole post, and it was, like, very, very pointed. Uh, like, it's not even like you could be like, oh, you know, like, you know, you're like, oh, my three boys. It, what an adventure in life it is to be with my three children. The three, three. No, the three, the three boys. So the two and my husband. And not you, little girl. <laughs> Anyway, um, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, my God. Before we... Oh, my God, y'all. Y'all. It happened. It happened. The thing that I had been on my mind for quite a while. The show. The myth. The legend. That is Seeking Sister Wife on TLC is returning in just a few weeks. It's coming back on March 4th. And, like, uh, I was screaming, crying, and throwing up at the thought of it. They're back, baby. So let's break it down. What's going on with them? Um, we have two of our returning couples coming back. We've got three new couples. 
Unfortunately, we do not have squeaky and guy liner. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately rather, we do not have Mr. Peanut. Now, Mr. Peanut, if you remember from North Carolina, there may have been a little bit of a crossover. I'm actually shocked that they did not choose that couple because, um, there was the original couple, the, um, oh my God, I used to call them the Ashes. What were their names? The couple with the with the locks, you know the ones that they were just very woo woo. They had that they married that girl from South Africa, and then as soon as the season was over, it was all like dramatic. There were allegations of abuse. She left the family, so then she ended up staying in America with her daughters and ended up hooking up with a couple from later seasons. So I'm actually surprised that they did not like take these two already established couples on the show and be like oh my gosh you guys came to build another little sister wife situation let's cameras up you know i'm surprised so yeah they did not make the cut but what we do have in our returning couples is danielle and joel osteen who in the preview they're you know they got dogged out real bad by Roberta at the last minute last we saw them right when Danielle was screaming and how could she do this when she told them she was coming to America and at the very last minute she was like I'm actually not sorry peace out they're now courting somebody else a Brazilian woman named Natalie it appears by the uh, preview that Danielle has gotten more sassy than she's ever been. If y'all not watch the show, Danielle and Joel Os- <laughs> his name is Garrick. 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 But I call him Joel Osteen because he looks like it and he's weird. Um, they're uh, high school sweethearts and she's clearly very um, just low self-esteem and she's doing whatever her husband says. And I have a feeling that Garrick is like late in life hot. Not that Garrick is hot, but I feel like he started working out and stuff later in life and started like feeling his pussy a little bit. So he was like, oh, I don't want to hitch my ride to this insecure mop of a woman forever. I'm going to rope in some religious reason to fuck other women. And that's really what he's doing. And that's very clear. And Danielle's going with it. And she's trying to act like she's very thrilled about all these other women. She's not. She's crying all the time. She's crying all the time. So now she's starting to like get some bass in her voice according to this preview. And I'm here for it. I'm, I'm actually really here for it. Our other returning couple, Slick Nick and Wilson Phillips, they're back. Alas, we left them. Um... Jennifer, I think, was pregnant. She just announced she was pregnant, so now they have a new baby. They moved into a new house. They officially got their 12-foot-long custom bed so everybody could sleep with each other. Um, And they also have an additional queen-size bed in another room so we can have hanky-panky time individually. So that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. And it seems like they are courting an additional woman so that's now going to be four for, for Nick. And, oh, my God, I completely forgot that Nick um, had tricked them all into not working because he's too much of an intellectual. And so they all pull their money together to keep the family going. So there's three working women. And Nick gets to sit home and read his books and then tell the women what he learned that day. The little book report at the end. At the end of their long day of work. Of actual work. So... 
to say that I'm excited for this would be both a lie and completely true. I'm dreading this. I'm thrilled titillated and horrified so i hope you guys join me this is gonna be like a fun couple of months of just mess for me and i'm really really excited uh so with that you guys let's move on to our recaps of the season finale of southern hospitality and then finishing up with the traders all right i know everything sweetheart honey i don't i don't know if you know but i was on a phone call with trevor you heard that i was there for the whole thing and I've heard it right out of your mouth. You did? Wait, what? Excuse me? You overheard the whole thing? Honey, I don't I don't know if you know, but I was on a phone call with Trevor. I was on a phone call with Trevor. So you were on the call with Trevor and Sammy? Yeah. But no one no one I feel like is supposed to to know that thinking back on the last couple of weeks it's all starting to come together now she literally orchestrated the whole thing this recording came up when we were in miami all right you guys let's continue with southern hospitality the finale you guys what an episode what did i watch i've never it's been a long time since i've been legitimately confused and needing to go and like look at social media to try to piece things together and see if everybody else was as confused as i was so i mean this was like a damn episode of lost i've never seen lost but i i feel like that was the vibe that people gave off that they were confused so we start off this episode, Joe's still, you know, hateration and holleration in the dancery that is Republic Garden and Lounge. He's telling Maddie over in the DJ booth, like, I'd rather be Joey Bottles than be a manager, like, totally projecting, right? Meanwhile, Emmy is telling Will, Will, who's just been lip reading what <laughs> shit Joe's been telling Maddie, I'm a manager and they need to respect me. And they need to follow it. And Will's like, yeah, he's going to learn real quick how this whole thing works. Like, everybody, all y'all, all four y'all, take a breath. Just do a quick healing breath. And then think about if this sounds like something you really want to fight about, okay? Joe still wants to fight. So he goes over to Oshin. I love when people, like, just want to spread the wealth, so to speak. Like, they they splooge their hater shit on somebody and then they're like okay i can feel like the well has run dry so i gotta run to somebody else so i can like let it out again right and just just let it all out start all over again so joe goes over to oshin he's like you know it'd be fine if emmy had gotten a promotion but like not as a general manager and oshin's like who cares like stop being jealous joe and he's like oh well i'm not you know like if they offered me that job i would never do that so it wasn't until Leva did her thanks for the 10 years in business speech that I realized that this party seems to be like 85% women. There were like 12, maybe 12 dudes. I don't know. And then she and Joe have a conversation outside. She's like, how are you doing, Joe? And he's like, crazy, Leva. 10 years, that's like a decade. (laughs) And then he tells her... He couldn't be more proud to work there, but, like, here's the thing. Like, I'm happy for Emmy. Like, she's, like, my little sister, and I got her a job here. And, like, and Leva's like, yeah, don't worry. Let let me worry about 
Emmy, okay? Your little sister, okay? But then Joe's like, no, she's just not going to come up to me and, like, order me around. Like, it's just not going to fucking happen. So Joe says in a confessional, I don't feel like Emmy deserves that promotion. Like, I feel like I was overlooked by Leva. I feel disrespected. And that really upsets me. So Chris, who's, like, the other little terror manager, tells Joe, because he's been standing there the whole time, maybe stop overthinking this, okay? Like, Oh, thinking seems to be difficult enough for you, Joe. Let's not do too much, right? You got a you got a whole shift, so let's not wear burn the candle at both ends, right? Okay. He's like, it's not even your problem, okay? And he's like, okay, well, she just can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Levis says in a confessional, "Listen, there's no place to undermine my decisions. I like to be a nice, friendly boss, but if you forget who you're working for, I can remind you real quick." The next morning, we see Joe waking up in his studio, getting a bunch of texts from Chris, the manager, like, hey, where are you? We're having a meeting right now. Where the hell are you? Back at Trevor and Maddie's house, she says she's feeling so much better. They're doing wholesome stuff at home. They're making BLTs and giggling with each other. And she's feeling like the less her friends know about her and Trevor, the better relationship they're going to have. So she tells Trevor, you know, when I heard that recording from Sammy, I felt bad. Okay. Red flag number one. So Trevor says, well, I actually called Sammy while you guys were in Miami because I knew that she wouldn't be around Brad and like be affected or influenced by him. Maddie says in a confessional that she's not surprised that Brad did this because he's a planner and he loves to play tit for tat with her. But then she tells Trevor, well, I just want to move on because, you know, the recording just vindicates everything and I'm grateful for it. So, like, just move forward. Right. After that, TJ has lunch with Lucia and Brad and Sammy, Sammy, the girl from the recording. He's planning a 4th of July slash going away party for Will And he tells everybody, heads up, I invited Maddie and Trevor. So Sammy says that the story going around, apparently, is that this was a 30-second conversation between Trevor and Sammy. So she says, well, the whole thing about that being a 30-second conversation is a lie. It was like a 20-minute conversation. And I felt like mostly it was Trevor trying to convince me to say that we didn't make out. And I feel like... Whatever recording Maddie heard was edited. So she says that a lot of what was going on was Trevor blaming her for what went down and saying, oh, you ruined my life. So we hear another clip from that recording. So Trevor says, well, I was kind of messed up that night. Do you think we really made out? And Sammy's response is, I don't really want to get into this. And he's like, well, you kind of made it my whole life. So, you know, you can't just ignore it now. So Sammy's like, well, I felt bad for ruining somebody's life, so I apologize. But not like it didn't happen. I just felt bad. So I apologize. But then she says it got to the point in the conversation where she was saying things that Trevor didn't want to hear. So he's like, well, basically threatened her. Sicked his girlfriend on her. You have no idea what Maddie will do to you. She's done stuff to other girls. She will run you out of Charleston. Like, what is this tiny little terror doing? I do not feel like the clout is not clouding for me. And you know who she kind of reminds me of? And I season one, bad girls club, Natalie Nunn. And I'm, I'm going to walk you through this, right? Because she was like her, one of her punchlines, her taglines was I run LA, I run LA. And she was trying to make everybody believe that she was some sort of like 
baller, sitting at the front, you know, courtside seats of the Lakers. I'm at every party. I know everybody. I'm well connected. I got money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm feeling like this is the same sort of energy that Maddie's giving where it's like, you know, good for you, honey. Fake it till you make it. Ask, believe, receive. But it's just not it's we're not in the made it stage and we haven't received anything just a lot of asking and faking and that's what i'm getting but more on this later the next night at republic emmy tries to have a quick team meeting joe can you tell me how many tables we have up for sale joe won't even respond to her okay so chris has to be like hey joe how many um tables do we have for sale oh we've, we've got two okay great so joe takes grace lily and maddie aside to ask them what they think about Emmy's new job. And Grace is like, honestly, I didn't even know what an assistant general manager was. So whatever. Maddie says she's not concerned or what she was concerned about was Emmy taking her money or her job. And Joe says, well, she was trying to do that. And Maddie's like, no, I know she's like a snake for that too. So then Maddie says in a confessional, I just feel like Joe's kind of shaken right now because Republic is his whole life. But he should just sit back and let karma do its thing because karma's definitely coming for Emmy Sherritt. <laughs> what did she do to you? What did Emmy do to you? Like, wh- who are we beefing with and why? Maddie, I'm going to need at the re- at the reunion. I know they already recorded it, but I wish if we could just have pulled out some sort of a chart. If we could have gotten an intern to do a quick PowerPoint of they're just saying, okay, Maddie, go down the list of the cast members slash your friends and say specifically what this individual has done to you and why you're coming for them. Why do you think karma is coming for Emmy? Explain in 20 words or less. And quickly, please. We got to move on. So then Joe tells Maddie and Grace Lily that the other day he was in a really bad headspace. And he showed up, he like really got into it with Chris for not showing up to that meeting, right? So we see a flashback of him having this meeting with Chris where it was like two days before Joe starts getting real sassy and he's like, well, I just didn't show up to the meeting because I felt like, you know, I could have been on the speakerphone or, you know, it could have like been like put in an email. Is that what they say? It could have been put in an email. And so Chris tells him, okay, bet you got that attitude. Why don't you just go home now? And he's like, really? Oh. <laughs> so after that, a girl named Aria takes Emmy and Will to the dumpsters. I, I believe these might be the fellatio dumpsters. Let me know if I'm incorrect about this. But she takes them back to the dumpsters and tells Emmy and Will, I was hanging out with Joe the other night. He was drunk and he was telling me, you two are about to break up as soon as Will goes off to law school and that he's got no faith in y'all's relationship. <laughs> so Emmy is like, you know, she's got her assistant manager panties on. So she's like, I'm going to have to handle this later with Joe later this week. But Will's like, no, 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 I'm going to handle this right now. Joe, meet me by the fellatio dumpsters. Okay. Aria is still standing there. So she just repeats what she told Emmy and Will, what Joe said. And Will's like, why is this stuff coming out of your mouth? And Joe's like, I don't know, because I actually don't want you guys to break up. The last, the last thing I do. And I actually don't remember saying that, Aria. But I'm not going to rule it out. <laughs> so Joe says in a confessional, 
I don't have the facts and I don't want to gossip about it, but all I know is that Will's a bad drunk and he's not the most well-behaved guy. Like he was drunk in my apartment going into a bathroom with another girl. It really doesn't seem that far-fetched that he would make out with another girl. That's all I'm trying to say. (laughs) Okay. Okay. God bless. God bless Joe Bradley and his line of thinking, you know? After that, we have a quick scene with Will, who goes over to, well, he lives with his parents, right? But he's talking about moving out. He's talking to his mom, his mom, she's British, about how he feels like he's worried about his relationship with Emmy because he really wants it to work. But Joe is acting like he's worried about the relationship, but secretly hoping that they actually break up. Then he tells his mom, I'm just really excited for this change, and I'm not going to hold back for anybody. And I will say, Will, like, it's kind of comments like that that make me wonder, okay, I don't... It is giving that you are just, like, maybe the door's not open for a breakup, but the window is cracked, you know? There is some airflow happening here. That's all I'm... I'm feeling a breeze. Just a little breeze, okay? Just a little breeze, that's all. So after that, we have that 4th of July goodbye will party, right? Why is this house another one of Joe's older male friends? Is this the same guy with the yacht in Miami that they were cruising on? Like, who is this bevy of older men that Joe Bradley has? Like, what's going on here? It's giving Jax Taylor's modeling days, you know? Cute house, though. So Brad and Joe are there, and... They're like, oh, how are things going with Will? And he's like, well, you know, Will really laid into me by the fellatio dumpsters like real bad the other day. And Brad's like, yeah, he's upset with you for what you said. So then Joe's like, well, yeah, I mean, Will's been pretty ruthless to me. But in a flashback of all the times of Will being ruthless, it's basically Will reacting to Joe starting some bullshit with him, not just him starting fights with Joe for no reason. So then Joe tells uh, Brad and TJ, you know, I love Will, but like, I'm really kind of worried about our friendship right now. And TJ's like, yeah, I don't really know if that's true because it kind of feels like you just say whatever to whoever's around and whatever sounds good in the moment. And then Joe's like, well, I do consider Will one of my best friends. And TJ's like, yeah, I mean, you also say that about Maddie though. And you say horrible things about her. So if that's the case, then what are you saying about me and Brad? (laughs) Got him. (laughs) This would be attempt number one at Joe crying about how I feel like I'm being pulled from all angles. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, grow up. Be a man. Get your shit together, please. Like, we're we're so sick of it. (laughs) And while I do appreciate this, like, uh, aggressive shade, I'm just not quite sure where it's coming from with TJ. But I never know where TJ's aggression is coming from. Last season, it was incredibly annoying because it was with Miguel, Mikel. But this season, even though I don't really know why he specifically is so mad, I do appreciate it more. So thank you, TJ. The highlight of the episode goes, of course, to our MVP, Grace Lily, who is flirting with this guy by the drinks table. And she's like, how does my lipstick? Does it look good? They look good. Like, she's trying to get him to kiss her, and he's not doing it, but she's still going for it. And he's, he's like, yeah, it looks good. Beautiful. She's like, well, they're real. My lips are real. <laughs> so then she says in a confessional, since I left Liam, I've really been having an evolution. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Evolution. A new chapter in my life. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Brad shows up to the party with Sammy. Maddie spots her immediately and is like, what the fuck's going on? She's heated. She's in a little Shein fake Louis Vuitton uh, swimsuit situation. And she's like running around just like, like a chicken with its head cut off. So she's like saying in a confessional, why would she even bring here? I thought that, I thought that um, Sammy was Brad's client. Where is HR? This is inappropriate. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brad says in a confessional, I know that this is Will's going away party, but if Sammy wants to talk to Maddie, then let's let the sparks fly. (laughs) Maddie decides to take things in her own hands by going up to the roof. Sammy's doing limbo. She's making merry with people. And she's like, so nice, nasty. Hey, I know we haven't met yet, but I think we should talk. Okay, let's go over here. So they're going downstairs. Maddie's guiding Sammy through the house. Let's go over here. And Maddie says in a confessional, I've already heard this 30-minute conversation. I've heard Sammy's story. I don't need to hear it again. So she opens up the front door and is like, let's go. Sammy walks out. Maddie doesn't. And she goes... I've heard all I need to hear from you. You're a fucking liar. Have a great day. Bye, bitch. And then closes the door on Sammy. (laughs) So Mia goes outside to follow Sammy down the stairs and tells her she can't kick you out. That's not going to happen. Okay. So she goes back up. She and Sammy go back up the stairs and Maddie's watching this because it's like glass door all glass in the entryway. She's watching them come up the stairs and as soon as Maddie tries to, or excuse me, as soon as Mia tries to open the latch, she locks the door because you guys have fun outside. Go home, sweetie. Go home, skank. But the hilarious thing is like Maddie's popping the fuck off inside, but the door is soundproof. So all they see is her just like wagging her finger and like do what pop. They cannot hear a thing that she's saying. They're like, we can't hear you, Maddie. Like, all this rah-rah shit that you're doing right now, quite literally falling on deaf ears. Like, nothing. Nothing's happening, babe. And so after that, because, you know, everybody on the inside can hear Maddie screaming at these two women on the outside, Will and Bradley tell Maddie, this is not your house. You can't dictate who gets to stay and leave. So they unlock the door. But Maddie's just like, you know, hamster wheeling in the other parts of the house talking about, she can't be here. 
I just kicked her ass out. She cannot be here. In a confessional, Maddie says, Brad wants to see me unhappy, and he can fuck off. So then TJ says, Maddie gets a high off all this stuff, okay? Like, meanwhile, she's in the backyard being like, you guys need to keep me the away from this bitch. Keep me the fuck away from her, girl. So we're starting to wrap up our storylines, right? Joe decides to, foolishly, take Emmy outside to talk, right? And Emmy's like, Joe, I'm really upset and hurt. Like, it's exhausting to hear you say that you don't think me and Will are going to be together. And the way you treated me since I've gotten this promotion, I would never do this to you. You call me your sister, you would never do this to your sister. Joe says, well, to be honest, you've just been, like, a little arrogant this year. And Emmy's like, what? (laughs) And then they have Emmy look up the definition of arrogance in a confessional, and her response is, well, fuck you. (laughs) So Joe says, well, there's just like a cockiness and an arrogance, you know? And like, you just automatically assume that you're my boss. And again, she has to look at him like, yeah, because I am. So then he's like, but I did probably let my ego get the rest of me, you know? But I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you, and I know you're having a hard time with this promotion, but it's, like, coming out in your friendship. So Joe says, like, it's just very upsetting to me, and he starts to cry again. This is now number two. But thankfully for him, he gets saved by the bell because some fireworks go off in the distance in the Ravenel Bridge. So then they just have to stand there for a second while he, like, is like, oh, I guess I won't cry anymore. And then she's noticing, hey, you faked crying, and now you're stopping because some fireworks went off. Which would not be a natural reaction if you were, like, really crying. It probably wouldn't change anything because they were quite in the distance. It wasn't like they were right there, you know? I love this show. I I really, really do. (laughs) So then... After that, they go back inside because it's like, what are what are we going to do at this point, right? Like, he does say, I just said that I really want you guys to be together. I'm rooting for you guys. I want to be standing next to Will at your wedding. And then Will goes inside. They both go inside. Will does this whole goodbye speech, you know, thanks for the memories, you guys. He and Brad and TJ do this whole group hug. And they, like, lay it on so thick. The editors add this sad piano music while joe is like 10 feet away watching these boys hug each other and like this should have been me right (laughs) joe says in a confessional i've always considered myself to be the glue of the group and now i'm just more like the jackhammer breaking everything apart and like i went from being the leader to the loser and that's my nightmare yeah well stop acting like a loser then you know There's a simple solution to that. Stop being a loser. Stop that. Also, I don't think you were a leader. I think you just... Honestly, I don't know what your line of thinking is, Joe Bradley, but clearly it was incorrect. So, anyway, we'll move on. So then he goes back up to Will, and he's like, you know, a lot of the reason why you're upset with me is because of how I treated Emmy. And, you know, I'm actually really rooting for you guys. And Will's like, that's bullshit, Joe. Okay? (laughs) thank god thank god because if this was southern charm this would have gone into completely different like if this was shep going up to uh the other one Mushmouth, austin they would have been like oh you i love you bro yeah thanks thanks bro i love you and then nothing would have been actually resolved but thank you i think what happened this is my theory 
Will had a Craig t-shirt on. He had a Sewing Down South t-shirt on. And he was in that Craig zone of truth, as I'll call it, which is when Craig is like drunk and you can see it in his eyes. You can see that he's about to black out, but he's not quite there yet. He's making sense. And he's saying things that he probably wouldn't say if he was sober. Like a little sloppy, a little liquid courage, but not too bad. And he's he's aiming his arrow at the right direction. So uh, frankly, I was loving this. So then Joe's like, okay, Will, can we go outside? Um, as if this is going to like fix things between them. <laughs> it doesn't. So Will hits Joe with the kind of like Lauren Conrad, you know what you did style thing. Like, you know what you said about our friendship, Joe. You said, you, or, or me, me and Emmy's relationship, you know what you said about our relationship. You said our relationship was going to fail. Joe puts his hand over his eye so dramatically. And I was like, oh, God, that Will starts to imitate him. <laughs> I did not like Will before. And I still don't think I like anybody on the show except for Mia. But I do think that Will's very funny. Very, very funny. And I appreciate a man who will hold other men accountable. So Joe's only excuse for why he was talking shit was that he only told Aria, not everybody, about the fact that he thinks uh, Emmy and Will's relationship is going to flop because Aria is actually Emmy's best friend. So why that would be his excuse or why that would matter, I'm not really sure. I really don't know. But then he's like, can we just talk right now? Like, face-to-face, brother-to-brother, and Will goes, brother-to-brother? That's a stretch. So Joe says, well, that's the biggest stab in the heart to me. And Will Will says, we'll get stabbed in the heart then. Get stabbed in the heart. And then Joe acts like this is the worst possible thing that's ever happened to him, the meanest thing that anybody has ever possibly said. And that might actually be true, but it's not unwarranted, so I'm, I'm down for it. So Mia has gone up back up to Sammy because she's pushing a storyline, okay? And she tells Sammy, don't worry about it. By the way, guys, if you hear some extra breathing and possibly um, complaining in the next few minutes, just know that I'm desperately petting a dog to get him to please STF you so I can finish recording. (laughs) So be patient with me, y'all. See, here he goes. Here he goes. So Mia guides Sammy up to where Maddie's sitting with Trevor and all that. And Mia says to Maddie, you guys need to talk one-on-one. So Maddie's like, fine, you can sit over there. So Trevor gets up and he does this thing that liars do, you know, where it's like, oh, I don't want you two to be alone together. So I'm just going to take a couple steps away and then circle back and then being like, oh, Maddie, I'm here if you need me. Okay. If, if you need anything, I'll be right here. Guilty. Guilty. So then, basically, Maddie tells Sammy, you owe me an apology. And Sammy's like, for what? And Maddie says, for lying. Sammy says, but I didn't lie to you. And then Maddie says, I heard you on the recording. And Sammy's response is, well, I have my truth. And Sammy's like, well, it was a 15-minute conversation. And Maddie goes, no, it was a three-minute conversation. To which Sammy goes, but did you listen to the whole thing? 
So then Maddie says, well, I don't know if you know, but I was on that phone call with Trevor and I heard it come out of your own mouth. Now, Brad is like inside, but he hears Maddie say, I was on the phone call. So we cut to her producer asking Maddie, were you on the phone call with him? And she's like, yeah, but nobody was supposed to know that. And then Brad says in a confessional, Okay, it's all started to come together now. Maddie orchestrated the whole thing. So we cut to a few weeks ago when they were back in Miami, and they're all having this conversation where Brad is like, you lied about me getting my dick sucked in that dumpster, by the dumpster, wherever. And Grace Lilly exposed the fact that they had this whole recorded conversation like a couple weeks before they went to Miami. So this is now like a weeks long conversation that Maddie had known about. And then, so Grace Lily says to them, um, I didn't speak to the girl. I don't know her name, but I was told that there was a phone conversation between Trevor and that girl. And there was a screen recording where she said that she made the whole thing up. And Maddie looks over at Grace and goes, stop, stop it. So then a producer asked Grace Lily in a confessional, so who recorded the phone call? And she goes, it was Maddie. No, it was, it was Trevor. It was Trevor. Can we just call it Maddie and clarify? I'm sorry. (laughs) So then we go back to 10 days after Miami where Maddie's crying to Joe in the kitchen of Republic Garden and Lounge about how that girl, she told me she lied. Well, she told Trevor that she lied and then she starts to smile So then Brad says in a confessional, Maddie created this whole lie just so she could make me look like a liar. And for what? Make me, make me look bad for what? So then a producer asks Maddie, why did you protect Trevor? And Maddie goes, I'm not the bitch that gives up. I'm the bitch that will fucking fight to the death. What? And so at this point I had to go to Twitter and be like, what? the fuck happened what's the motivation so my understanding is that maddie made trevor or they came up with a scheme the scheme that trevor came up with to come to us with the bullshit to accost this woman on the phone get her to say things that sound like i was not telling the truth to brad and then they edited it to make Trevor look good. And (laughs) I'm so confused. It feels like, I I just don't, I never know what Maddie's end game is. Like, okay, yeah, you're trying to protect your man. I get that. But like, what was this gonna, okay, you're, you're the bitch who fights to the death. For what? To, you're fighting against the girl who said that she hooked up with your man and she's got the video of him twerking on her. This wasn't like a competition battle for Trevor. He made out with the chick and he wanted to get away with it. So you fighting for this pedicab driver with like two shirts doesn't really make sense to me. What are you talking about? Maddie, this did not eat the way you thought it did. It really, really didn't, right? It didn't. So Maddie then tells Sammy, you need to get the fuck away from me. You need to get the fuck away from me for my boyfriend. And for my life. So then Trevor walks back up to them and he's like, are we good? Can I take over? Sammy just walks away. She tries to get up to walk away. Maddie starts getting buck 
and is like, uh, you're a fucking liar. You need to, you need to sit down and talk to my boyfriend. You talk to him. You talk to him. Trevor's holding her back. A production is getting involved to make sure that she doesn't fight Sammy for walking away from a conversation and not talking to Trevor. Question marks are around my head. I really don't know. <laughs> but I will say that I appreciated whatever the hell that was. What a season, you guys. The episode ends with Trevor and Maddie. Trevor and the bitch who will fucking fight to the fucking death. Going out to the patio to watch the fireworks. And Maddie's like, I love this holiday. She's giving spirit fingers up to the fireworks. I love Fourth of July. I love this holiday. And then, of course, the season ends with a picture of Maddie and Trevor in better times saying... Three weeks later, Maddie and Trevor broke up. (laughs) God bless America. Happy 4th of July to us all. The one part, I believe, reunion is going to be playing on Watch What Happens Live before the premiere of uh, uh, Southern House. So I'm very excited. (sighs) Y'all, what the hell? I love this show. Okay, let's move on to Traders. I feel... It's just intuition. Poverty could well be a duchess of deception and a mistress of murder. All right, you guys, let's finish up with the traitors. Uh, how is every episode so good? It, it's so confusing to me, but I'm so grateful for it. Okay, I'm so grateful. <laughs> so we're finding out this episode who died between... Bergie, MJ, Trishel, and Kate Chastain. Kevin from Bling Empire says that the person he's most for looking forward to seeing walking through those breakfast doors is Poverty. And yes, he did pronounce Poverty's name as Poverty multiple times, okay? And he says that if Poverty was murdered, then that's really going to throw him for a loop because he thought that she was a traitor. So we find out our sweet, sweet Bergalicious was murdered. And the ladies did what they had to do to attempt to break up Peter's pals. Ugh. Burgalicious. Our sweet Burgalicious. Oh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So, basically, like, everybody's going to breakfast. And, you know, Phaedra's doing her, uh, her shtick, which is to act very interested in, interested in what she's eating. Oh, these grits. This bacon is incredible. I love the coffee. Do you love the coffee? I love the coffee. So it was to not out herself. But Trishel's been side-eyeing her, apparently for quite a while now, using her skills as a professional poker player to realize that nobody in the group is really ever on to Phaedra, and she also tends to get this little twitch in her eye, okay? And that usually is a tell in poker. So she's off to convince the other guys and by guys, I don't mean like the universal thing. I mean, she's only going to convince the men in the house, even though they're like a bunch of women here, too. Okay. We'll do what you got to do, Trishel. <laughs> so then Alan Cumming comes in to throw Bergie's picture on the floor and also tell them that they're going to head off to his vacation home. This is going to be our mission for the episode, and they're going to meet someone there after breakfast. So Trishel takes Peter into the armory room before they leave to tell him 
I really feel like Paige is a traitor because she's always super chill. And I feel like before before Dan left and he called her out at the round table, I feel like he was trying to like throw us a bone here, feed us a traitor. Peter's not buying this at all, right? And Trishel's like, no, no, no. I swear we have to like play this in Trishel's mind. She's, oh, what are those? I always forget the name of those. Remember in elementary school when we were taught those like super complicated machines where you'd, you know, throw a marble down a a little ramp and then that would hit something and it would hit something else. You know, it was like a whole complicated situation. Like this is how Trishel's mind is working, right? The marble's going. It's speeding down that ramp. It's about to hit that little um, bird that they put that, that dunks into the water. Who knows what's going to happen after that, right? So she's trying to tell Peter, no, we can't get Parvati out tonight, even though that seems like the most obvious thing. We got to think long game. We know that Parvati's a traitor, so let's get out Phaedra now because Parvati's so obvious, right? And she's going to do anything, like, let's loop Parvati into this and make her think, oh, we don't think you're a traitor anymore. And when Peter's like, why do you think that, Parvati would go for this. He's like, well, because she'll do anything to save herself, which, you know, fair enough, Trichelle. So then Peter takes Parvati aside to try to convince her, you know, believe me, but then she goes into this whole monologue about trusting the wrong people in her life and how that has also happened in the traders starting with Larsa and then with Dan and how she made a mistake. What they don't know is that outside of the armory, MJ, who's wearing truly the strangest outfit I've ever seen. Like, I know it's very clear to me that MJ went to Sheehan for this show and was like, just, just clicked, just clicked down the list. It was like new, new arrivals. Or maybe maybe she did what I did, which is price low to high. <laughs> and then just click, 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 you know? <laughs> I'm a low to high kind of girl. You know, it's like, let's not even pretend like this is anything else, bitch. I'm not going high to low. What am I, psycho? Low to high girl. And then, so she this outfit, it's like salmon, corally colored, shiny, of course, as she and fabrics tend to be for no reason. Fake satin look um and it's a business i'm gonna call it a businesswoman special because it's like a a business suit dress like it looks kind of like a blazer but then it's also giving like diane von Furstenberg like cross crossbody situation so it's like supposed to be flattering for most women but okay so the weird thing where it goes wild is that for some reason there's just like a bolt of fabric missing I'm like the worst part of your body like I don't care how thin you are this is just personally to me that the like side of your stomach from like your rib like a side titty to like the to, toward your back. It's like that that like where you would where you would do like your your prom pose, where you'd put your arm if you're posing in a picture, right? That's the part of your body that's exposed. And again, like 
I actually think MJ is truly one of the most beautiful people on Bravo, period. So, like, don't get it twisted. Nobody's going to look at him that. It looks crazy. Like, why, why, what was the... What was the thinking behind, let's just cut out a piece of fabric right here. It doesn't even make sense aesthetically. I'd like to see it on the model, but I don't think that would help anything. Anyway, in a confessional, she says she does not trust Peter at all. But if she can convince him that she's a faithful, then, you know, like, that's good for her. Because then people trust him, and they'll just go, with whatever, this is poverty. So then MJ goes to tell the leftovers, I think it's weird. Don't you guys think it's weird that Peter and Parvati of all people are talking? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it, MJ. Clearly, Parvati's just trying to save her ass. She's weird. She's like a yoga teacher. <laughs> and then Kate goes, yeah, you know, like I went to hot yoga once, and those are the worst people at all because they have their little yoga teacher voice to convince you to stay in hell. <laughs> so then we go back to Peter and Parvati, right? They're basically just staring at each other. They don't know what to say to each other. And finally, Peter's like, you know, I think I may have been wrong. They shake hands. They decide to call a truce. And Peter says, well, maybe you are a traitor, but I also kind of think maybe Phaedra. Why don't you and I kind of work together right now? And then if we can get Phaedra out, and that's kind of a route to get people off of your back, you think? And Barbara's like, cool. Trishel was right. I will do whatever at this point. And so they hug. So then on the way to their mission, they're all in these defenders, right? The big ass cars. So Trishel's in a car with Parvati, John, and Sandra. And she's fully on her mission, right? She's looping two women in now. So you know she's serious. Because I fully think that Phaedra's a traitor. I do not believe in Parvati anymore. Every time we go to breakfast anymore, Phaedra's not nervous whatsoever. She's got a whole shit ton of notes about Phaedra, apparently, that she's been writing down that she wants to share with everybody later. Sandra, she's like, mm, whatever. I don't understand why Trishel is pushing Phaedra's name. Like, that's really weird. I'm suspicious of Parvati. I'm here to get to the end no matter what. So then everybody pulls up to this cabin in the woods. It's like creepy. We see Dr. Will from Big Brother. <laughs> And it's clear that the producers thought that this was going to get a big reaction out of, like, the whole cast. But they're like, who? Honestly, I looked at that guy, Dr. Will. I remember Dr. Will, like, from when I used to watch Big Brother back in the day. But he had, like, dark hair, and now it's gray, which I personally love it. I love when nature does that. But to be honest with you, I honestly thought that he was that guy. Was it that Brad guy? I don't know. I don't think any of us know his name, but he's that man who's like this rich dude who's been taking his son's plasma and injecting it into his body to make himself younger. And he's like constantly at the doctor to, and he thinks that he looks younger because of all these treatments that he's done, but he literally looks the exact, whatever age he is, is what he looks. He thinks he's getting younger, but he's not. What he's getting is creepy. And he's got this like, this like, like the type of skin that like if I were to touch it I know that there would be moisture coming back on my fingertips like squishy spongy sponge like but I don't know like is Dr. Will a nice person in real life so maybe I shouldn't go on on this <laughs> maybe he sees Dr. Will maybe that's why maybe he saw him and was like I want that what kind of doctor is Dr. Will I don't care anyway Dr. Will traps them in what is essentially a cabin 
slash escape room with a bunch of tunnels that you have to go. They have to like crawl and find these gold coins. It's like a $20,000 mission, but it's like nasty. It's disgusting. There's lights that go on and off. People are calling through the tunnels. There's bugs, rats, Will's dumping maggots on CT, MJ screaming. She doesn't want to deal with shit at all. So the other side to this is that you can leave the escape room if you yell up the safe word haggis, if you if it takes too much. But that would eliminate $1,000 from the pool at the end. So MJ's out immediately like, I can't do this. We don't do this in L.A., I'm not not getting a bug on me. And to be fair, like, the bugs were bugging, okay? They were bug-like in nature, and they were also tripping bugging, like, all over people's bodies to the point where I thought they were fake. But no, these were the kind of roaches that were just, like, used to being on people and things. Like, they have no stranger danger. They're just chilling on Trishel's back like like a damn statement necklace. Like, they didn't give a fuck. I would have yelled haggis about... As soon as those lights went off, as soon as I, something just grazed my neck, haggis, haggis, I was with MJ, like, I no shade to her, I would have been, fuck a thousand dollars, I would have been out before it even started, okay? Phaedra's next, because something wet got in her ear, again, no shade, I think it's a completely fair reason to leave. <laughs> Ew, what, because what is it? Because what is it, you know? You're never going to get the answer to that question. I'm out. CT is crawling through the tunnels with Trishel and you know because she was so upset with him last episode for not um you know giving her the shield of protection last time CT's like oh Trishel get, get the shield from this one so she has to run into like a room of rats to get this like shield of protection but she's like thank you ct and like their friendship has been restored restored right and then peter inter intercepts her and he's like now doing that whole thing don't tell anybody who that you got the shield Trishelle. like don't say anything so of course kate gives up because again like more than three percent effort needed to be exerted that was too much for her and then sheree who's been screaming the whole time (laughs) She's just been screaming this entire time. She's like, fuck this, you guys. We only have five minutes left. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to win. I'm out. Like, I, well, there's no point. There, well, there's no point. So then she goes outside and Phaedra is like, girl, you got all these bugs on you. And she's trying to help her. But Sheree just keeps screaming and running away from Phaedra. So now it's this whole thing. Phaedra's trying to run towards Sheree to help her. But Sheree is so freaked out. So she's running away in MJ's direction. Y'all know MJ didn't want any bug near her. So now MJ is just running. Because <laughs> she doesn't want to be. <laughs> I love this show. I love this show. So now we're getting down to the wire. There's a minute left in the mission. There's still gold coins left down below. So CT, our hero, decides that he's going to be the big, strong man that he is and grab that last coin so he comes out everybody thinks he failed everybody thinks that he didn't find it but he's like oh you guys i got something in my pants and he pulls out that gold coin when i tell you when that man said i got something in my pants my eyes never wider um what's what's in there sir america wants to know head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long 
Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. My name's America, by the way. And he pulls out this gold coin, and he says in a confessional, Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to trick everybody with saying I had a snake in my pants. And I did. But I also had some gold in there, too. He's so hot. (laughs) He is so hot to me. Okay. And I am seeing that there's a movement happening with people being like, is CT hot? What's going on? And I don't mean to, like, gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss here. But, like, if you don't know the history... I don't really need you here, okay? Like, I hate to be one of those, but I'm gonna be, like, you weren't here with us in Paris. You weren't, um, you know, when he was holding Johnny Bananas like a backpack. If you weren't there, then I don't want to hear it, because then you don't get it. I don't, how do I explain to you CT in his prime, and he had a very long prime, and, and honestly, like, I'm still very much down to clown. He walked through the store today break my back sir that's neither here nor there in his prime on the challenge they were like oh you guys we're gonna just tie two full human men together and whatever the mission was whatever the mission was you're you're gonna have to get something you're basically playing like tug of war with your bodies and that man took a full 200 and something pound man muscle man on his back, like backpack did, like Dora did to backpack. And he, the leg muscles, <laughs> I'm speechless. My throat's dry and it wants something in it. And so, like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, yeah, he's hot. I, I know it might be a shock to you, but he's incredibly sexy, okay? And if you don't, if you have questions about it, then, then just leave me alone. Because I've we've been here, and I've established things. And this is a home. So don't come to my home and ask questions. You know, that's rude. <sighs> Back at the castle, oh, they end up with $11,000, because they only found $15,000 worth of coins, but then four people did, so that's like $1,000 each gone, okay? They go back to the castle. Parvati is still not trusting Peter, so she's trying to form an alliance with John from the House of Commons, right? They had their little cutie moment partnering with each other last episode, so she thinks, oh, I'm going to get this sweet old British man to think that I'm just like a nice yoga teacher who's learning about the world, just wide-eyed and headband marks on my hair, and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to loop him in. The fact that Parvati thinks that she's so cunning and wise is what is so funny to me. So she takes John into this room, and it's like, you know, John, I'm just really under attack for trusting Dan, and I just trusted the wrong person, and how that kind of mirrors things that have been going on in my real life for the past couple of years, and I've really been masking my emotions, John. And you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I just want to demonstrate that I'm a faithful player. Okay. And so John is like hook, line and sinker. You know, nobody has had more guts in this game than you have Parvati. 
I believe in you. And she's like, great, I got him. So before the round table, Trishel tells most of the leftover group that she's really confident about Phaedra and kind of pulled the Dan move like, I've got a whole arsony arsenal of notes here that I'm going to be revealing at the round table. So just keep your ears open for what I'm going to say. Okay, the notes are going to be written. So Kate is like, I don't know what's going on with you, Trishel. I feel like you're kind of throwing a wrench into this whole plan. We were all going to go for Parvati at the round table, but now you're telling us, don't just listen to the list and like, okay, I don't know. So Phaedra walks in to this group of people and is like, hey guys, we good? But now it's this typical, like, I know everybody's talking about me because everybody's like, oh, I suddenly have something to do. Gotta go. We're not talking about you, Phaedra. Bye. So now she's like, okay, something's weird. I don't think my name's going to come up at the round table, but I guess we'll see. So when they get to the round table, Parvati says, I'd like to have the floor. She's like, you know, people have said I've been acting weird and quiet and they're right. Because sometimes I'm like in super tense situations, I become like a brick wall. I made some poor decisions and who I've decided to trust. I made friends with Dan, but I didn't know he was a traitor. And I'm in a real big predicament, guys. And I just cleaned up like a shell. So then that's really all she could say. Trishel goes next. Like, well, going over my notes, you guys, I was looking back and I was wondering when we started looking at Parvati. And I couldn't find much compelling stuff on her. But Phaedra, I had so much on you. And I'm going to start with the least compelling to the most compelling, you know? So the least compelling is... Whenever we go to breakfast, you don't seem surprised about who's murdered, and you never seem worried or bothered or scared about being murdered at night. Vedra says, I've been nervous many times, Trishel, but I don't know what you want me to do to be nervous, because I'm not frantic like you. So people start laughing. So then Trishel goes, okay, well, I told you I was going to go from least to most compelling, so, you know, here's the most compelling. And I do not see a way around this is that Dan's a really smart game player, and I know that Dan was going to go to the round table and just say anybody's name that was a traitor, because if you put a traitor up there, then he pretty much would have tried to absolve himself from being a traitor. And I think he turned on you, Phaedra, and I think that you're the traitor. So John says to Phaedra, okay, well, what incentive would Dan have to protect you if he knew he was going to be banished anyway, Phaedra. And Phaedra says, well, I think he would be more motivated to protect the traitors and wouldn't give them up, be faithful to the traitors. So then Kate tells everybody, you know, last season we got out two traitors and it would have been really easy if all we had to do is, you know, just banish the person the traitor had like thrown out and tried to get us to vote out, right? Like if it all would have been that easy. So then Kevin's like, well, I have notes, too. And my notes are that anytime I try to talk game with you, Phaedra, your eye starts to twitch, which is what Trishel had told him earlier. <laughs> so she rolled her eyes and was like, oh, Lord, nobody's ever said that. And then Trishel goes, well, I've actually noticed it, too. So then Kevin goes, Phaedra, I'm just curious. Have you grown up with twitches? <laughs> Kevin, tap out, okay? <laughs> Just tap out. So CT looks over at John and is like, what do you think of John? And John's like, you know, 
it's just my intu- intuition, but I think Parvati could well be a duchess of deception and a mistress of murder. And Parvati's like, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I thought we had a friendship here, sir. Wrong again. <laughs> so then John turns to Parvati and he says, I've heard you said that you had a relationship to Dan, that there's no doubt that you were his accomplice and possibly later his partner in crime. So Parvati gets like this, her confused squint, like, like the, how dare you squint. Then he says, you know, I feel like you get really worried about being banished, but you're never worried about the threat of being murdered. And then at the sacrifice ritual, people were given the opportunity to plead for their lives, and you didn't, Parvati. You chose to say nothing because you knew you weren't going to be murdered. (laughs) Got him. I love that John, our sweet John, who's been, like, just running and, and just, like issuing these great grand Windsor Castle breast monologues just got her just hit her with the okie doke because she really thought I'm gonna trick this sweet old man and she didn't she didn't because he's welcome to the house of commons bitch (laughs) he should have if John had said that I would have thrown my tv out the window in in glee He, he really should welcomed welcome to the house of commons poverty so Parvati's like, well, I've just been very scared till recently. There's been so much suspicious on me. You know, I felt that there's been more suspicions on me and then like more traitors would keep me around. So that's why I've been scared. Okay. So they're like, okay. So then Peter says that he has an observation about Phaedra and he's like, you know, I really feel like we haven't seen true faithful qualities from you in regard to like the fear that naturally comes with being a faithful. And so Phaedra's like, well, you're the faithful king, right? Right. And he goes, well, I didn't say that, but Dan did tell us something whether he intended to or not. And I can't lose that from my mind. So Trishel says, well, Phaedra, I just feel like people have gone home for a lot less. So, then they're like, okay, but you guys were going so hard on poverty yesterday. And Trishel's like, yeah, until I read my notes again. So Kate's like, okay, well, what happened with you two? And Peter's like, well, I had a conversation with poverty, just completely shifted my view. And Phaedra's like, well, that's because there's a back door going on. The other day, when I was in the armory room with Peter and poverty, Peter made this interesting comment to poverty, like, oh, I can work with you. We can work together. And I said, let me just dismiss myself from this because I don't want to be part of this conversation. Got him. Got him. And so Peter's like, well, you guys, I'm going to be honest. I was 100% on to Parvati when I went into the armory room. I was just, maybe I got a little cocky and I thought, oh, I got her. And I asked her if she wanted to work together. And I, I I said I was just joking. So Kate's like, okay, but... So now you've had this conversation about wanting to work together with Parvati. And now you suddenly change your whole mind about her being a traitor. So they ask Kate, why are you defending Phaedra so much? And she's like, well, I just think it's weird that you guys were so hard on Parvati. And now you're not. And now this whole thing that you're relying on is just like, damn, well, you know, like, Dan sucked at playing the game. That's why he's not here. 
So if that's your defense, the Dan defense, then it's not working. So then we finally get to the round table. And this time it's like less of a consensus than ever. It's kind of a split table. Phaedra votes for Parvati and she says in a confessional, I think Parvati played a courageous game. She's a great trader, but she's got to leave. It's time for her to go. Parvati obviously votes for Phaedra, Phaedra. And she says, you know, after healing Trishel's votes, things would kind of make sense. CT is like the kind of determining factor because it's like split, right? Parvati only needs one vote before she's out. He's not going to vote for Phaedra. That's his wife, okay? So, bye Parvati. Obviously, love one between CT and Phaedra. And Kate, while we're at it. So Parvati does her speech about how I've spent the last two years working on my authenticity or whatever the hell she's talking about and my truth telling and leading with truth and integrity and coming out here, I wanted to play a faithful game, but I am not, I am a traitor and everybody claps. (laughs) I think this may have been our first uh, unanimous clap for a traitor. (laughs) So Trishelle goes, all right, well, I'm going to burn my notebook then. Phaedra starts getting emotional. Sandra's hugging her. She's like wiping her tears. Sandra says in a confessional, even though me and Parvati used to fight, it's hard to see her gone, but also I'm ready to be queen of this castle. (laughs) So Phaedra's like in a confessional, like I'm nervous now because I'm alone. You know, I'm very scared, but at least I have people in my corner. MJ ends up meeting up with Kevin and Kevin's like, MJ, I'm going to tell you why I don't feel good today, okay? There were lots of people who had no suspicion about poverty, which threw me off. For some reason, I don't know if I believe Peter. And that's something I'm sitting with now. And MJ's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to Peter and I'm going to tell him, Cowboy, you got to pace yourself. <laughs> so then Peter takes Kate aside to say like I have got a lot to say and she accuses him of being faithful to an unknown traitor so he's like I wasn't being faithful to her because I knew she was going to leave tomorrow anyway but then Kate says in a confessional as far as I'm concerned Peter is a traitor to the faithfuls because he lied to them and also he's really annoying (laughs) so Kate tells Peter I'm not saying that Phaedra is not a traitor I'm just saying that I know that what you're doing right now is some shady shit Sandra, meanwhile, is talking to Phaedra about how she feels like Peter's behavior is now kind of off and Phaedra's like running with it like, yeah, how can you work with a traitor and also not be one, you know? Perfect, perfect play. So then Phaedra walks into the turret by herself, Lone Star. Says, I'm the last one standing from day one. I'm not shocked. (laughs) I'm here. I belong in a castle, honey. I'm definitely a queen. The others fell by the side because they were a little bit suspicious. I deserve the congeniality for the Traders Award, hands down. <laughs> so Alan walks in and tells Phaedra, tonight you get to recruit somebody, but it's different from the last time where the person could turn it down and stay alive. Either the person gets to be a traitor or they're murdered. That's it. Traitor or gone. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to go with Kate. I'm going to go with Kate. I think we see each other. And we, she's a kindred spirit. So, they have we seen this prison sale with with Fergus, the gatekeeper, the groundskeeper? 
I don't think we have. So they make Kate go down this long hallway. Fergus opens the door to the cell. She's like, what the hell's going on? And that's where we end Kate Chastain in a jail cell. Stay tuned, (laughs) y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.